You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Good. If you're wondering why there's not a Pastor Mark up here, it's because I took over. No, I'm joking. Um, I, uh, my name is Bryce. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors on staff. Um, I get to work with our youth, and so I have the privilege and the honor of uh, giving you, uh, providing the message this morning. And uh, thank you so much again for being here. Would you guys uh, help me in welcoming? We, we live starting this, uh, the second gathering here. Would you welcome those people that are watching on time? We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're in a series called Daring Faith, the Key to Miracles. And throughout this series, we've been talking about, man, what does it take in order to see God do the impossible in our lives? It takes us taking that step of faith. It takes us uh, uh, increasing our faith, growing our faith. And that has been our, 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 our hope, our prayer for you throughout this series. Last week, if you guys missed out, we, we, we talked about um, the prophet Elisha and how Elijah put his cloak over Elisha to say, man, you have been called by God. You need to take a step of faith. And what did Elisha, Elisha do? He burned all his plows. He killed the cows. He left behind the life that he knew in order to chase after what God had for him. And I want to encourage you this morning. God has a calling on your life. God has big plans in store for you. And sometimes we got to take that step of faith, even though it might be scary, even though we might have to leave everything else behind in order to chase after God's calling. We're going to continue talking about Elisha. And, to, and this morning, we're going to talk about digging ditches. Everybody say ditches. Yeah, I know it's hard to say sometimes, but it's okay. It's just a ditch, guys, all right? Uh, this week, we're talking about digging ditches. But before we jump into God's word and all that he has for us, I want to ask the question, has anybody ever played the if only I had this, then my life would be better, it would be greater, I would be more happy, right? Anybody in here, just me, okay? Okay, a few of us, good. If only I had fill in the blank, I would have a better life. If only I had more time, right? If only I had more money. I don't know. Uh, if only I had a different job. If only I, you know, all the single ladies. If only I had a good husband, right? All, all the uh, ladies in here that are already married. If only I had a husband that uh, was hardworking. Okay, like, I don't know what it is for you. I only had a husband that looked like Brad Pitt. I don't know why uh, that's the person, but, you know, I don't know. Fill in the blank for you. I know for some of us in here, it might be, if I, only I had hair, Okay, I don't want to, I'm sorry, dad, I, 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 it's not a knock on you, but I, I love you, I respect you, I know sometimes we just, we just need that, okay? Like, I don't know what your greatest need is, but what I want to encourage you this morning is take that greatest need in your mind, and I want you to hear this message, what we're going to be reading this morning, through the lens of your greatest need. And my prayer, my hope, is that through this, you'll be encouraged that God can meet your greatest need need. In fact, oftentimes when we uh, come to God with what we think are something that we want or that we desire, he gives us exactly what we need for that situation. Amen. Let's jump in. I'm going to give you a couple uh, context. We're going to be jumping into uh, Kings or Second Kings um, chapter three today, but I want to give you some context. Um, in this story, we're going to read about these three kings that came together 
teamed up and they went after uh, uh, the, the king of the Moabites, okay? Three kings came together, joined for forces to go um, to battle against the Moabite army, okay? And they expected to win e- easily, right? Three against one, right? They expected to win easily, but unfortunately, it didn't go as planned. Anybody been there before? Like, you're like, this should be easy, but why is this so hard? Why am I hitting this roadblock? Or anytime maybe you've stepped into what God has for you and you feel like, God, you've called me to this, but I cannot get through this roadblock, right? It didn't go as planned. What ended up happening is these armies, these three armies that were together, they were marching around in the desert for seven days and they uh, started to run out of water right? And not only for them, but for all their animals that they had with them, this three armies started to run out of water. And so they had a real need and they needed an answer from God. Today, if you're taking notes, this is the principle that we're going to learn. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Come on, that's good. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Let's read uh, 2 Kings starting in uh, chapter 3, verse 9. You can uh, read right where you're at or follow along on the screen behind me. But this is what it says here. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab, right? Again, have you ever been there before? Has the Lord called me here only to see me suffer? Like, you ever been there? Like, you, you, you take that step, you leave behind your old job or you move to a new place and you're like, things are not working out for me, right? Come on, God, where are you at? You called me here. Why is this not going according to plan? But then Jehoshaphat asks, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour, or he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, Elijah was Elisha's mentor. Elijah was Elisha's mentor, right? We talked about this last week. Elijah put the cloak on Elisha and had to walk out the call of God, on his li- of God in his life. And so he was trained up by Elijah, this man of God, and they knew this, this was a man of God. He did many miracles, many things, and they knew that Elisha was trained by this guy and that he was also a prophet, right? And what was interesting too, if you know your Bible, is Elijah also in a time of drought came, was come to by the nation of Israel to ask to pray to God for rain. And, and Elijah did. He prayed for rain, and a cloud the size of my fist became this huge cloud that brought this rain that the nation had never seen before, right? And so they knew that Elijah could do this crazy miracle where, where God could bring the rain, and they knew that his, his protege, Elisha, was there, um, and so they went to go to him to ask for help. Jehoshaphat uh, said, the word of the Lord is with Elijah, Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom them went down to him. So again, three kings going off to war, three against one. Things don't go according to plan. Think they're going to easily win, but they don't. They're not. Uh, here's the thing that we, we don't always read or we don't always know is that these three kings, they're not serving God. 
They're, they, they're not serving God in, in this situation, but here they're, they're in need. And they're like, where's God at? They're not serving God. They haven't been serving God, but now they're calling on God's name. You ever been there before? Like many of us, we, we sometimes go throughout life, you know, here and there, trying to, we fear the Lord. We know God's there. But then when we, we don't call on God's name until we're in need, right? We don't call on God's name until we actually feel like he can do something for us. These three kings, they weren't serving God and all of a sudden they are in need of water. They know, hey, is there a prophet around here that can maybe provide a need for us, right? Maybe he can inquire of God for us. When trouble comes, they cry out to God and they think maybe there's a prophet who can bring the rain. Elijah's not around, but Elisha is here. And Elisha in his kind of rookie year of being a prophet, he already parted the waters of the Jordan, right? This big river. He already parted the waters, right? They knew that. He was, he was doing good things. He, he spoke to a poisoned uh, like spring, a body of water. Uh, like if you drank it, you died. He spoke to it and it was healed, okay? Can you imagine like just going up to a dirty water and just be like, be clean? And it was just whoop, blue. Well, that'd be crazy, right? Uh, he did that, and then also, uh, back to kind of my no hair joke, okay? Um, he was walking one day, and some guys started making fun of him because he was also uh, hair challenged. Um, and, uh, and he uh, sicked a couple of mama bears on these boys, and they killed them all. Okay, that's in your Bible. Okay, you need to read your Bible, guys. Like this, this prophet, he just decided, hey, take these, these you, you're, I don't know why, he must have just not having a good day or something, or he maybe was made fun of earlier, and then he was like, no, I'm not having any of this. So he's like, bears, go kill those guys. 40 young men died that day from a bear mauling. Okay, read your Bible, guys. So two things, read your Bible, it's interesting. Number two, don't ever make fun of a guy that has no hair, okay? You never know if there's a bear nearby or how big his faith is gonna be. It might be a bad day for you, okay? Right? So this is what's happening. They go to uh, this, this prophet, Elisha, who's been doing these great things, and, and they go to him, and what does Eli Elisha do? He has an attitude about it. He has an attitude. He has this sarcastic, this kind of know-it-all personality for some reason. And where did he learn this from? Well, he learned it from his mentor, Elijah. I don't know what it is with these prophets. Next time your teenager snaps back at you, just be like, you might be a prophet someday, all right? You smart, I like piece of junk. No, junk. Um, no, he learned it from his mentor, you know? He, and what Elisha does is like, you want God now? Like, you really, now you call on God. You weren't, you weren't serving him before, but now that you're in need, you want God? Okay, I see how it is. Like, this is Elisha's attitude, but he learned this from Elijah because there was, uh, there's a story where these prophets of Baal, another uh, a god in the Old Testament, uh, they, were, they were worshiping these, this, this, this uh, false god, and these prophets, um, or Elijah challenged these prophets in kind of a duel, a show-off. He said, let's take this altar, and if it, let's catch it on fire. If you can light the fire, if your God can light the fire, then he's greater than mine, right? And so they start doing their little dance and chanting around the fire, um, or around the, the altar, um, and no fire is happening. This is happening all day, and Elijah starts getting like a little smart aleck with them. He's like, maybe you need to shout louder, all right? Maybe your God is sleeping, okay? Or, or, you know, this is the funniest part. He's like, maybe he's busy going to the bathroom. Like, that is literally in the Bible. 
Like, again, your Bible is interesting, y'all. Like, he's just starting taunting them. And this is where Elijah has gotten this kind of sarcastic, almost like uh, uh, know-it-all type of attitude is from his mentor. You know, his mentor's taunting these other guys. Your God's on vacation. Your God's busy or something, you know, like shout louder, okay? And what does Elijah do? Well, he calls on God and man, that altar is just consumed by fire because our God is greater than anything, right? We continue on in 2 Kings chapter 3. This is, what, this is Elisha's response to the three kings. He says to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me, right? This is his attitude. Just listen to this. Picture Elisha uh, a teenager right now, and then you'll really hear the sarcasm coming through his voice, right? Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He brought their mother into it, okay? He said, go to your mama's prophets, all right? Like, he's like, uh, why do you want to involve me now, right? Now you want God. Uh, and, and this is the, the response, no, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. He just, he just says exactly what he's feeling right there, right? Like what's in his mind just came straight out, right? Now what you don't know is Jehoshaphat, he wasn't serving God, but he did at once uh, fear God, right? Again, sometimes we know God's there. We know he's exists. We try to, we, we like him when he gives us good stuff, but when we're in need, that's the only time we cry out to God. And, and Elisha says here, man, I wouldn't even pay any attention to the two of you if I didn't have any respect to him. But he reluctantly, it seems, gives in and decides to help these three kings. And this is the, the next verse here in, in, in chapter three. But now bring me a harpist. So he decides, I'll help you. Go get me a harp. Okay, like what? Like why? Go get me the most the biggest, the hardest thing to move and bring it here, okay? And then start playing it, all right? Like, what if you came to a church like throughout the week, you had a need and you walked into the, the pastoral's office and you're like, hey, this is what's going on in my life and I need some help, can you pray for me? And the pastor's like, go get me a harp and then we'll talk, you know? Like, that would be so strange, but what's really, that's, what's actually quite often that happens here in the Old Testament is that they're, they're inviting the presence of God through music, through worship. And I love this because it, there's, Elisha realizes there's no better place than to be when you're in need than in the presence of God. There's no better place to be when you're in need than in the presence of God going into worship. And sometimes in our lives when we are so focused on our own needs, on our own things that are in front of us that we can't breakthrough on the struggles that we're having in our situations or whatever may, may happen in our lives, that we forget that there's a God that we serve that's bigger than all things. We forget there's a God who can provide water in our drought. There, we forget there's a God who can uh, make the impossible happen in our lives because our eyes aren't fixed on him. And what worship does is that it allows us to readjust our perspective. It actually adjusts our hearts. I love it. It's the quickest way to get in the presence of God. That's why I love worship because when you're praising a God who's greater, who's mightier, who's bigger than anything you're facing, you stop forgetting about the situation. You start looking at the God who can fix anything in your life, right? 
Come on, like there should be some excitement to that. Our God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And as we begin to worship, when we begin to praise, like even if I don't feel it, even if I don't see it, that's why I love that song, is that we begin to say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm gonna praise you because you're worthy. I know you can do it. I know you're greater than all things. And we begin to understand who God is in our lives and his role and how he can change the situation. Amen? Elijah, or Elisha asked them to bring him a harpist, right? Now these kings, these three kings, they're expecting rain, right? They saw Elijah do it. They heard of Elijah do it. This is his protege, Elisha. Elisha can bring the rain, right? They're expecting some, some news of great hope. They have some faith in this. God's gonna send the rain. But this is uh, what Elisha says. Then it happened. When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he, Elisha said this, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. They weren't expecting that, right? They're expecting rain's gonna come, don't worry. Y'all are gonna be okay. No, what Elisha says is, guess what? In this hot desert that you're already in, take your armies and dig some ditches. Fill the whole valley with some ditches. Do some manual labor in this hot sun while you're already starting to uh, uh, be without water, right? You're already in thirst. You're already in need. But guess what? Go and dig some ditches. See, our greatest needs can become a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. When we're no longer focused on what we need, but we're focused on what God is instructing us to do, what God has for our lives. It continues on in verse 17, for this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind or rain. You won't see the wind, you won't see the storm, you won't see the rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. In verse 18, I love this. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Like he starts to brag a little bit. You guys have doubts? You might not understand, you might not see the wind, you might not see the rain, you might not feel the storm coming, but this valley is gonna be full of water. This is easy for God. This is easy for God. And he, and he continues on, you know that other thing? The thing that about you trying to go to war against the Moabites? I'll, I'll give you that too, right? He will also deliver Moab into your hands. Oftentimes when we bring God for one need, he provides what we actually need right? Oftentimes when we say, God, this is what I have in my life. I need a miracle. God says, I'll bless you in that and more. God says, I will provide you here and now, but also the thing that you really want, the thing that you actually need to conquer, I'll give you that too, right? That's what God says today. I want to focus the rest of our time on talking about a faith that works. Everybody say faith that works. Faith that works. It's, it's two-parter, right? You already understand. You're already catching on. It's a faith that works because God works in our lives in miraculous ways, but it's a faith that works. Sometimes we got to do some manual labor. We got to dig some ditches in order to see God move in our lives. Are you ready for this? Two truths about faith that works this morning. If you're taking notes, the first truth is only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. 
I'm used to talking to a lot of middle schoolers who just interrupt me throughout the, uh, the, out, throughout the message. So I need some like excitement this morning. Come on, that is a good word from the Lord right there. Holy Spirit, I just pray you give them the goosebumps right now. Like I need some talking back right here. Let me read that again. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Come on, somebody, come on. James chapter 2 verse 26 says this, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Everybody take a deep breath. Now take your hand and blow it out. Do it again. It's okay. You might have bad breath. Just cover that up. Don't let your neighbor smell that, okay? What do you feel when you take that deep breath? You feel it coming to your body. You feel it animate your whole being, right? Your breath is the thing that gives you life. Your breath is the things that keeps you moving. When you're running, you, you're trying to catch your breath, right? Because that's the thing that gives you life. It's the things that animates your entire being. See, just like how your breath gives you your life, just like it animates your, your life, so does faith animate, so does works animate your, your faith. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. So does works animate your faith. And just like your breath animates your life, your good works, the things that you do, it's the things that uh, uh, pumps life into your faith. It pumps life. It animates your faith. You see, you see do you really think God needed those troops to dig ditches, right? Like he could have just been like ditches everywhere, okay? Ditches everywhere. Like he didn't need the troops to dig those ditches. See, God, I, I feel like he says, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me your faith. Show me that you trust that I'm gonna do what I said I'm gonna do and I'll show you how faithful I am. See, God loves to see our faith. He loves to see us move and work and breathe. But guess what? How do you see faith, right? Are you sitting there praying, asking God for a miracle, and then, you know, the faith steam start coming out your head? Like, no, that's not how it happens, right? That's not how you see faith. You know what, see, what you see faith is, is when you take that first step. See, Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water. That's how you see faith. It's an action. Those other 11, 11 bozos, like they didn't get out of the water, right? Or get out of the boat. They didn't get into the water. They didn't move. You didn't see their faith. You saw Peter's faith, right? He took a step of faith. It's an action, right? Many times God wants us to participate in his miracles. He wants us, he wants to see us get involved. He wants to see us uh, get involved in what he wants to do in our lives and lives around us. He wants to see your faith. We see this all throughout the, the New Testament with Jesus. He says, man, your faith has made you well, right? Your faith has saved you. Go and sin no more. Your faith, it, it's impossible to please God without faith, right? God wants to see our faith. We, we see in the Bible with Jesus and the man that has this crippled arm and Jesus asked him to stretch out his hand, right? Now, Jesus could have healed it, right? He didn't need him to stretch out his hand. He wanted to see his faith. Jesus could have been like, Jesus power, it's healed, okay? Like he didn't need him to go like to stretch out, but Jesus asked, stretch out your hand. And what does he do? He stretches out and his hand is healed. He wanted to see his faith. Again, we see in the Bible, Jesus, as he sees this man that is lame from birth, has never walked in his life, he's sitting on this mat and he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
Now, Jesus could have helped him up. Jesus could have picked him up in that moment, but he didn't. He wanted to see his faith. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. So the man who never walked before started to get up and stand on two legs, picked up his mat and walked away. He wanted to see his faith to participate in the miracle. Another man who was blind, Jesus picks up some dirt, spits in it. I know it's, it's gross, okay, but it worked. He rubs it, makes mud in his eyes, and then he says, go wash it. Go wash it out. Jesus didn't help him wash it out. The man had faith to go wash out his eyes and begin to see. The faith is what made him well. It is impossible to, to please God without faith. Show me your faith and I'll show you your faithfulness. See, some of you in here need a miracle. Some of you in here want to change, but you got to take that step of faith first. You want to be set free from addiction? You need to take some drastic measures and start getting rid of everything. Throw it all out. Have a burn party somewhere. I don't know. Like smash it on the sidewalk. That's what happens with our youth, right? Like they just start throwing things away, okay? Like take some drastic measures. Get rid of everything. Start your journey on being set free. So many, so many uh, I've heard this uh, in my short-lived life, um, is that there's been like, parents that are like, I want godly children, right? Like, I just want my kids to grow up and, and live a godly life. But then they don't get them plugged into youth. They don't bring them to church. They don't open up the word at home, right? To study the word together. Like, you got to take some steps. You got to dig a ditch, right? God's going to bring the water. You got to dig the ditch. You want a healthy marriage, but you're not plugged into a life group. You're not, you're too busy, right? How are you growing together in the word? How are you growing together in, in, in what God has for your life? If you're not doing it together, how are you supposed to grow and have that healthy marriage? You want more money. You hear this all the time. I want more money. If I just had more money, right? Tithe, okay? God has given this, this ridiculous principle. It doesn't make sense, but he blesses you more with the 90% than with the 100, right? He asks for the 10, and then he gives you the 90 and blesses you more there, and you actually have more, right? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute in our human minds, but this is how God operates. He says, trust me, give me your faith, and I'll show you your, my faithfulness. I will show you how I can bless you. I can, I can bless the money. I can bless the 90. Trust me with the 10, right? I know so many single guys out here. They're like, ah, God, just send me a wife. I want a godly woman, you know? I need a Proverbs 31 woman, whatever it is. Like, I need that. I need that godly wife. Uh, and they're just expecting, they're sitting at home on their couch expecting some, you know, hot, hot babe show up with her Bible in hand, knocking on the door, you know, opens it and it's like, take me to church or lose me forever, you stud. Like, what? That's not going to happen, right? Like, God's up there, brush your teeth, take a shower, put on some deodorant. I work a lot with middle schoolers, so I have to say that a lot. Okay, sell your Xbox, iron your shirt, buy some flowers, go to church where the single ladies are, come on. Like, do some work, dig a ditch, God's gonna send the water. See, the difference between potential and reality is action. The difference between what can be the potential of your future and the reality that you are right now is the action you're gonna take is the faith that you put into action. 
You have to take that first step. There was a, a former youth of my, my parents were in youth ministry um, for most of my life. And um, one of the youth that they had grew up and kind of fell away from the Lord and um, started living a, a lesbian lifestyle and became just an alcoholic. And, and she realized one day, man, I am just, I've hit rock bottom. I'm not satisfied with my life. I'm not satisfied with what's going on um, in my relationship and in and, and this addiction that I have. And she became, she understood that she was more unhappy than she's ever been in her entire life without joy in a hopeless situation. But she took a first step. She understood if she wanted to get out of the situation she was, she wanted to break an addiction and get out of an unhealthy lifestyle, she had to take a step of faith. She called up my mom. She, she said, can you mentor me? Can you be my accountability partner? She, she got out of her relationship, stopped living with her girlfriend. She got rid of all, all of her alcohol. Like she took drastic measures in order to see God move in her life. And it wasn't right away. It wasn't immediate, but step by step, she was able to see God move in a miraculous way. Sometimes you gotta dig a ditch. Only God can send the water you have to dig a ditch. Truth number two, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. See, there's so many of us in here that want to believe in this great and powerful God, but we insult God with our thinking. See, God is the one who can hold the universe in, this, in the palm of his hand. God is the one who has knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knows exactly the amount of hairs that are on your head. God is bigger than all. He is, he is greater than all. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. God can provide a way. But we often insult him with our small thinking. We, we have these doubts we, we, we become paralyzed in our fear and our anxiousness and our situation that we don't even take that first step. See, if Elisha never burned that plow and never followed the call of God that, had, that he had on his life to be a prophet, then these three kings would have died of thirst, right? He had to take a first step of faith in order to see real change happen, in order to see God move in his life and the lives around him. He had to start small, but he didn't insult God with small thinking. We don't think big enough, but we often don't even take that first step to starting small, right? I don't know why this was on my mind this morning, but have you ever had a kid that uh, was learning how to wipe themselves, okay? And they come up in the living room in front of a bunch of people with their pants between their legs saying, wipe me. Never had that situation? Okay, um, you're blessed, okay? Uh, here's the thing, is that when you're a kid and you're learning how to wipe your own bum, it starts one step at a time, right? Like, if, you, if, I, if I showed up, okay, and my mom was sitting here on the front row, and I had my pants between my legs as a 25-year-old person and said, wipe me, that would not be appropriate, okay? Right? Like, 
many of you would probably never look at me the same, um, and that would just not be a good situation, okay? Right? Like, there had to be some growth. There had to be a first step. I had to start small, and eventually I learned how to take care of myself, okay? Like, it's okay to do it when you're young, when you're first learning. See, some of you are some, like, you've been in Christianity for a long time. You've been following Christ for a long time, but you're still telling him, wipe me, okay? You're still saying, I need your help because I, I can't do this on my own. And God said, take the first step. Grow a little bit, okay? Grow in your faith. I will provide the water. I will send the water, but you got to grow. You got to start small, okay? That might have not worked for y'all, but that, that's just what came to mind when I was thinking about this, right? <laughs> See, how, how do you dig a ditch? One shovel at a time, right? You start with one shovel at a time. It starts small. The Bible says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig a ditch. God loves it when we participate in his miracles so he can see our faith in action because faith without works is dead. This is what it ends in 2 Kings chapter 3. The next day at, the, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the directions of Edom and soon there was water everywhere. Put your faith into action. Dig a ditch. Start small, but believe big. See, if if we start playing that, if only God would meet my need here, then I would have a better life. Nothing's ever going to happen. Your potential will never be met. And you're going to be stuck in the reality that you're in. You have to take the first step of action. See, don't forget that your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. See, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I pray this morning that we would be a church that believes for big things in our lives, but starts small. Starts by just digging a ditch. Starts with taking that first step of faith and saying, God, would you send the water? As we close this morning, I wanna ask you these two questions. Are you here today in need of a miracle? Many of us would say yes. God, I need you in my, in my family. God, I need you in my marriage. God, I need you in, in, my, in my job situation. And, and I need you in my friends. In the world around us, we can look around and see that there's many miracles that need to be met. How are you increasing your faith to see God move? How are you increasing your faith? If, if daring faith is the key to miracles, how are you having daring faith? It doesn't just sit there and pray. That's the start. You seek God, but then you gotta take a step of faith, and sometimes that's scary. But you gotta dig the ditch, and he'll send the water. Would you guys stand all across this place this morning? I wanna pray for y'all right now as we close. Again, how many of you in here are in need of a miracle? I don't know your situation. I don't know your problems. I don't know what your struggles are, but God does. Yeah. 
God knows exactly where you're at. My second question is this, are you ready? Are you here today in need of faith? And are you ready to see God move? If you're here and you want to increase your faith, you got to take the first step. God wants to see you work so that he can provide his faithfulness. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm just going to say a simple prayer over those needs. If you have a need in your mind, if you have a struggle in your mind, just present it to God. Right now, Lord, we just gave you those needs. God, we ask that you would provide a way where it seems like there is no way. God, we declare that you are greater than all things, that we worship your mighty name because you are worthy of it. You are faithful and good and just God. But Father, we ask that you would increase our faith that you would increase our faith. God, you would help us to take that first step. You would help us to start digging a ditch. And God, we would trust and know that you are going to send the water. God, increase our faith. Even when we don't see it, even when we can't feel it, God, help us to have daring faith. In Jesus' name, amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.